Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, we explore a different perspective on or experience of depression because it varies in form and severity, affecting us differently. Our guests share intimate details of their struggles, coping strategies, and recovery. We keep it real because the struggle is real. We keep it hopeful because there is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We're not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and know that talking about the illness reduces stigma and humanizes the experience, making it safer and easier to ask for needed support. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. So in last week's episode, Encouraging a National Conversation on Mental Health, we interviewed a podcaster in the UK. Keeping with this theme, today's guest, Dan Udell, also a podcaster and mental health advocate, who recently profiled giving voice to depression on his podcast called Know Yourself. He let us record the whole conversation live and we edited it down and we're about to hear it. Dan's version is about an hour and a half long. (laughs) And as always, we're keeping ours under 20 minutes. But if you're interested in the full interview, we'll link to it. Here is Terry on the other side of the mic talking about how this podcast started with Dan, who is studying to be a therapist and lives with anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder. Good evening. Welcome to Know Yourself. This is Dan Udell here, and I'm with Terry from Giving Voice to Depression podcast. Uh, Terry, thanks for joining me. Thank you. I appreciate it. So usually there's uh, two parts to this one whole, which is the podcast. Bridget is uh, not available at the moment, but what I usually do is kind of like a chapter one slash origin story. So, you know, it's it's almost like the first scene in the book setting up the character. Um, Love to know more about you, Terry. Let's see. 1961. (laughs) It was a cold day in November. Um, We'll start with, um, hmm. I had depression. Um, You know, I've had it on and off and have been on antidepressants, but it was never like it was three, four years ago. And there was a whole bunch of reasons, but it, it took me out. And when I was in that place and when I was believing all of the lies that depression tells you, uh, and so disempowered and truly thinking, you know, this was not the end of my life because I wasn't suicidal, but what had been good was no longer an option. That I, when I came out of it, and that was with the help of a doctor and antidepressants, I just thought, given my background in news, given the fact that I have interviewed people and recorded audio for more than 30 years, I, I felt like a Hmm, a calling, I don't know, an obligation, uh, the privilege maybe of being able to use my experience that I had just gotten out of and my uh, uh, talents, I guess, um, to start a podcast and to meet people literally where they are. And that might be in their bed where I was. And I thought if I had heard from someone saying, you know, hey, you know, truly, truly, it's not like your mom saying, you know, turn that frown upside down or whenever there's rain, there's also a rainbow, you know, none of that was going to help me because I really, really was not in a good place. But if someone who had been there had said to me, I know you can't believe this right now. I know you think that you're a burden and that you're alone and that it will never get better. But I promise you it can. I promise you I was there. I think that would have helped. Yeah. 
And so I decided, you know, I called my sister Bridget, who had also experienced depression and said, do you want to try this with me? Do you want to see if we can reach anybody? And, you know, we had that whole one person thing going on. If we just reach one person, I would make it worthwhile. And in our first month, we had 106 plays and we were like, whoa, 106. We might have reached more than one, you know. And then last month we had 9,000 and it's been a year and a half. So, yeah, and that's not like a a boastful thing. That's a evidence of, of how deep this need is people need to hear real stories and real people and you know no i'll say bs you know we have to acknowledge the struggle and the reality of how deep and dark that pit can be but we also have to give people hope and let them know that there is another side and um you and i are both speaking from it right now that is amazing and how nice that you can share that with your sister as well it's really nice, yeah. She she has a different perspective, of course, because she's a different person. You know, I'll say something and she says, or, you know, or and, and I go, oh, yeah, excellent. So, yeah, and I love her so. It's kind of like yin and yang working together. Exactly, exactly. And how did you get to work for working on the crisis helpline? Hmm. That is actually was in response to the death of a niece, um, which was not by suicide. It was an accident. Uh-huh. But I realized uh, that I was unequipped and untrained in how to speak to someone really hurting. And so in honor of my niece, I volunteered there so that I could train and learn how to be present for somebody who needed me. And I think that probably in part led to this. It's going to help so many people. You know, so many people are going to hear like the the kindness and the compassion that I feel in your voice and they're really oh, going to get something out of that. So uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause that's like, that's not just, you know, so insignificant. No, that's not in my bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As a podcaster for you, what's like a real standout episode that you've done on your podcast? Oof. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how I would pick one. I have really, I have learned something from every single person I have interviewed. Sometimes it's a way of explaining something. Sometimes it's a way of understanding something. Sometimes it's a new coping skill. Sometimes it's that I I messed something up on the mechanics and I learned how to do it when I called them back and started recording again. (laughs) Um, It's uh, one of my favorites, though, was Johnny and Neil in the UK. And, um, Johnny had been suicidal, was literally over the rail on the bridge. Neil, quote, the stranger on the bridge, saw people passing him and said he could not do that. And he talked to him. And Johnny came back over the rail. And years later, they have reconnected. I think that we can think, I'm not trained. You know, I don't know what to say. Not to mention that 99.9% of the time, Suicide prevention has nothing to do with the rail of a bridge, and it has to do with asking someone if they're okay. But Mm. to be able to hear how much someone listening to him, I mean, Johnny, who was the the man who was going to end his life, said he listened to me in a way no one had ever listened to me before. And Neil, the listener, uh, had no training, none whatsoever, had not discussed mental health in his family growing up any more than most of us did. Maybe you more so than me because of our age difference, but it just wasn't talked about. And uh, that that was really powerful for me because how often do you get to hear both sides? Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. 
It was, yeah. I, I mean, I really, I was just, uh, while they were talking to me, I think they're called, it was like the power of compassion, part one, and the power of empathy, part two, because I forgot what I had named the first <laughs> one. So I think they're not called the power of compassion, parts one and two. I never said I was organized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a special memory for you as well very grateful for that and there have been a number of others like sergeant kevin briggs who has the nickname of the guardian of the golden gate bridge not all my stories are about bridges <laughs> but he talked to more than 200 people who were on that bridge and gave them enough hope to come back over he doesn't use the phrase that he saved them because people save themselves yeah ultimately but you know that was a really powerful interview for me too because we talked about his depression and um how he as a man has you've talked about that in your article the ptsd my path to knowing myself that as a man we're taught we're taught listen to me you're taught um (laughs) to be, you know, strong and strapping and the rock and, you know, whatever nonsense makes it so that you feel you can't be honest about your emotions and be human. Um, And as a woman, I would prefer a human partner, which then made me think of another episode I did with a man named Roro, who wrote an article about how being honest about his mental health struggles made him more of a man. And that because he was more a whole person and more an authentic person, that he was actually more of the man he is than the one who was hiding and pretending he was something he wasn't. So I don't know why we're getting on the man tangent, but um, maybe because I was on a dating site before we talked. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I don't know why I joked during this. But I also, there's a point, right? You don't have to be Eeyore to have depression. And you certainly are sad Sad is hardly the word, but you're, you know, not making jokes when you're in it, but you're not always in it and you can still be funny and you can still be creative and you can still be, you know, a great friend and have a good time and all that kind of stuff. And then there are times you can't, but it's just a part of who we are. Like for real, like, um, I would say I hide a lot of my problems behind humor. Um, I've Mm -hmm. got like a really dark and twisted sense of humor and like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, I, for real, this will be fun. Yeah, I used to say, like, some really messed up things, and I look back now, and I'm like, God, those were, like, warning signs. I was I was telling people, but I was, like, I was still masking mm-hmm. it. I, You know, mm-hmm. I really wanted to get the truth out there, but I just couldn't um, couldn't quite do it. You know, it may be better to say, like, whew, you know, really not snapping out of this, or whatever you might say, as opposed to, you know, I'm thinking about death, you know, a lot, and, and having somebody be like, whoa, what the, you know, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So maybe there's something smart about that approach. Yeah. It's still a way of being able to say what you want to say, but also uh, takes away the risk of someone actually listening. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, so I think that's why I did it. Hmm. Hmm. So <laughs> what I want to ask is very straightforward. Like, what was, yeah, what was your depression like? Hmm. Good question. Um, I just go dark. I just completely withdraw. I get very silent. You know, even like returning a text is something that's going to have to wait. I I was in bed a lot, um, but it was mostly just those thoughts. I mean, I'm a very positive person. I'm not Pollyanna. I mean, I was a crime reporter. um, Yeah. But I'm not a negative person. And I you know, can very often do the glass half full, uh, probably more often than I should. But there was no water in that glass. I mean, I just, 
I remember the thoughts that go through your head. Dear God, is depression a bastard? I mean, the fact that it talks to you in your own voice, the fact that it infiltrates your body way before you even know it's there. Yeah. And, and, and it's like it's doing behind-the-scenes recon, you know, and, and it gets at your deepest, darkest secrets and insecurities. And then after it completely wears you down, it starts in and it just starts, you know, that talk, you know, you are nothing. You'll never be anything. All the good times are gone. The bad times are going to get worse. You're a burden. You're alone. Nobody cares. If you did die, nobody would care. Maybe they'd be better off. You know, when you sit there and you're like, what the hell? But you actually don't because you're so in it. You're going, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. And it, and it was horrible. What, what about you? You said you've experienced it. Am I allowed to ask that question back? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm really lucky that depression isn't really a massive feature of my life. Like, when it is there, it's bad. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, the post traumatic stress disorder has been the most difficult because it's every day. It just doesn't, it's constant. Don't they say with all the, um, as more research and evidence and information about ACEs, the adverse childhood events is coming out, that they literally rewire your brain. It's not that, you know, you can't stop thinking about it or you can't let it go. The events change us, physically change us. It's interesting you bring that up um, because I've actually never spoken about this, what I'm going to speak about now. Um, when, When it happened to me, I remember saying to my therapist, and it was, I would say this is like two or three sessions in. It definitely wasn't the first session that I ever had. I remember saying it's like I don't know who I am anymore. It's like when I got beaten up, like they beat who I was out of me. Mm. I've got like goosebumps talking about it. I've never really spoken about this before. And it's really interesting because I think on that day I did change and I'm actually super, super grateful that it happened. I've actually been able to figure out some parts of who I am. Um, And I wouldn't have been able to do that because I wouldn't have put myself under the microscope. That's interesting. One of the episodes we did was on how people are grateful to their depression and what they've learned from it. Uh, Yeah, I think what you just said is certainly one of them, even if it was under the context or is under the context of PTSD. Let's talk about uh, your sister, if you don't mind. I I will see. It depends on what you ask. (laughs) I want to show Bridget some love. (laughs) We're the sixth and seventh of seven kids, and she's my little sister. I get this feeling that you're just so, like, there's, like, real closeness there. We're each other's person. Uh, Yeah, for all kinds of reasons, we're, we're very close, yes. This would be interesting. Did you both perceive uh, the depression in the same way? Hmm experience it the same way no is that what you mean yeah yeah no i i do that withdrawing sad thing and she does the more aggressive um negative let's say negative oh but i'm negative outwardly negative um it's a really interesting uh point because one of the things that's wonderful about having someone Uh, close to you who also experiences whatever you're experiencing, in this case depression, um, is that they understand. It's like they get it. The bad thing about it is that when you're both in it, 
you know, when I say, like, God, I just want to die, and she goes, oh, I'll die with you, you know, like, that's not helpful. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's not necessarily always the healthiest thing to have somebody so get it that they say, like, and I don't know why you would want to live feeling this way, you know. You need somebody who's been there and gotten out to talk to, or is out, is out currently to say, yeah, 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 I felt that way last year or last week or last month or whatever, but I don't now. Um so it has been a it has been a mixed blessing and curse to be as close to her and to for us both to have it. That makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. Did your sister uh, go through depression at the same time as you? Because I wasn't identifying myself as depressed, I can't even say. I mean, you know, one of the yeah. one of the insidious things about depression is that those thoughts in your head you believe are like previously unacknowledged truths versus symptoms of an illness. And so when you're in bed and you're thinking your life sucks and will never get better, you're not like, whoa, I'm depressed. I better call Bridget. You know, you're like, my life sucks and it will never get better. And so when you tell her that and she says, my life sucks and it will never get better, we both just seem to be acknowledging the fact that our lives suck and will never get better. And, you know, you, there's neither one of us had the distance or the perspective to say oh shit do you think maybe we both need to get back on antidepressants because you're just not healthy enough to say that yeah so i I can't even say what was going on with her because i didn't even know what was going on with me (laughs) yeah no that's a really good way of putting it thank you and i've just really enjoyed your company and talking it's been um lovely yeah before we close actually Mm -hmm. Um, it hit, hit the audience up with some links to oh, thank you. Uh, some social media and your website. Our Facebook page is Giving Voice to Depression, um, which you can just search for if you're in Facebook. Um, the website is givingvoicetodepression.com. That has links to our podcast. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Voice Depression. Uh, I don't know what Instagram is, something with voice and depression. <laughs> That's all. This is all new to me. There are some things on YouTube. Um, we do have a Pinterest board. Uh, I think if you just Google giving voice to depression, you're going to find all kinds of stuff. Oh, the podcast itself is on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, yeah, probably all the places yours is too. And thank you for letting awesome. me do that. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I've had a lot of fun. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Your honesty has kept me smiling throughout this interview. Yay. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, I'm pretty unvarnished. I am just too old to put on a show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you see. Yep. <laughs> this has been Know Yourself. Until next time, guys. Peace out. Peace out. That was so much fun. And to be able to laugh while you're talking about depression is always such a treat. You can tell neither of us is in it right now, but really grateful to Dan for that opportunity. Also, he he let me uh, talk about the places that you can uh, get our podcast and other things. But one thing I just want to make a note of is that TuneIn is having a problem, I don't know, interfacing with SoundCloud or whatever the right words are there. Um, But if you listen to the podcast or used to on a smart speaker, you haven't been able to in all of November. Um, Just want to make clear, obviously, if you're listening to it now, you found another way. But we would never just disappear without saying anything. Um, We rely on this and we know that there are other people who do. And, um, you know, we're, we're never just going to disappear. So if anything ever happens, you know, please get a hold of us from the Facebook page or our website and we'll be able to explain what's going on. Great. And I want to mention a 
wonderful item that I that I read that was tweeted, and it was just somebody saying, "I just want to holla at my 14-year-old self who wanted to die." Currently, I'm baking cookies at 11:30 at night and dancing around my kitchen to music with my husband. It is worth the fight. Mm. Such a great, like, little reminder. Wow. This, this too shall pass. Doesn't mean it won't come back, it but doesn't. it does ebb and flow, like most things. Mm-hmm. So nice to hear those things from somebody who really, really, really does get it. So grateful. Grateful. I love you so much, Terry. Love you too, sweetie. And we'll be back next week uh, talking about the holidays. Yes. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.